Welcome in to another episode of the Semi-Pro Fantasy Show. We're here today again on a sunny uh, Wednesday afternoon. We will be putting this episode out on Thursday, August 27th. And like I said in the last episode, we're moving to two a week, and this is our second for this week. I'm really excited to be doing two a week now as we inch closer towards the season. Um, today, on today's show, we are going to be going over wide receivers 13 through 24, the wide receiver twos for most of your leagues. And I think this episode will be um, even more fun than the last episode because these are the guys who will make or break your season. There will be breakouts and there will be busts in this range. Um, before we go into the wide receiver twos, we're going to get to uh, the news. So the first piece of news is... Uh, running back for the Bears, David Montgomery, was carted off the field during training camp. And the earlier reports are that he avoided a major injury and that it is a, gro- a groin strain. But when I saw this early on, I thought that it was very um, scary because it was a non-contact injury and it was him slipping before he received a handoff from Trubisky. Uh, what would you do in a situation if Montgomery were to miss time in this depleted Bears backfield? Yeah, if he misses time, I'm not playing anyone or drafting anyone or just I'm completely avoiding. Tariq Cohen is a satellite back, so with a Montgomery injury, he doesn't get any more time. He doesn't get more carries. He doesn't get carries anyway. I don't even know who their backup is right now, to be honest. So I just I don't see myself taking any of them. And I think it actually hurts guys like Allen Robinson because the offense is going to be even worse. So... The, the, the team needs Montgomery to be healthy because the offense could be really bad without him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we we were saying how we don't think there's any way for the Bears offense to get worse than it was last year. But even though Montgomery wasn't great, we still believe in his talent. And if he's not on the field, their offense will be limited in terms of what it can do in the running game. And this will make it harder for Trubisky or Foles, if he's the quarterback, to produce and work when the running game is limited. Um, speaking of Foles and Trubisky, let's move on to the next piece of news. Again, out of the Bears training camp, the, the quote is from Matt Nagy that Foles is inches ahead of Trubisky. This is interesting to me because I thought they were bringing in Foles to give Trubisky kind of like a kick in the butt. They they still want him to be the starter because they want to like kind of I don't know the word for it that I'm thinking of, but they want that validate validate that number two draft pick. Thank you, yeah. Will. Um, and they do, but. I think Foles is probably better for the fantasy output of guys like Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, and the other wide receivers on the Chicago Bears offense. Yeah, Foles is a better passer. Like, when last year ended, I was like, there's no way that Trubisky is an NFL starting quarterback next year. When they brought in Foles, I was like, okay, this is the end of Trubisky. And they're like, nope, it's a competition. I'm like... Okay. Yeah, they just said but, that to keep the media yeah. at bay. So now that we're actually getting definitive reports that Foles is ahead, I think he stays ahead, and he'll be the quarterback until he has a game, and then they swap back and forth, and it's going to be a Brian Fitzpatrick-type situation. Probably. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. All right, third piece of news out of Buffalo. Uh, Josh Allen was reported saying that he is hoping to run less this all, this, this season. Um, we had talked about this a little bit. I know Josh Allen is my one of my my guy quarterbacks. I still think that he will have a good fantasy output because I do expect his passing um, efficiency to rise, even though it will the volume will rise too, just because he's going into year three and he's going to be a more mature, well-rounded player and he has more targets with Stephon Diggs in the offense there now. But this does hurt his fantasy four that I loved so much because of 
him getting 30 to 50 yards rushing per game. Um, I still expect him to get at least five to six rushing touchdowns and average in the range of 25 to 35 yards a game on the ground, which does provide for a nice floor, but it's definitely not what I was hoping for when I had looked at Allen earlier this year. Yeah, well, the good news is that it should mean he stays healthy if he's running less. Yeah. But the other thing is, like, even if he has fewer carries, I don't think he has fewer carries in the red zone. Um, that's where he's, his running is the most valuable. And so I think he still gets those red zone carries. I think he does less running on the rest of the field, which, yeah, there's yards he's missing out on, but I think the touchdowns are still going to be there. So I'm not concerned about it. If you like Josh Allen, the talent, then I wouldn't be concerned about this. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to – we have two quick – or one quick question and then another topic that I want to touch on real quick. So our quick question, one late-round wide receiver that you are actively targeting, a guy that you want on your teams that you're taking in, like, the ninth or 10th round, Will? So last year we had – there was Terry McLaurin, and he was a third-round pick. And coming into the draft and even after the draft, he was someone that I loved the talent of. And I was like, this guy is going to be a star. I was super excited. But I wasn't going to draft him because he wasn't even on draft boards, and I didn't feel the need to use a pick on him. But then as training camp went on, the reports kept going that this guy is super talented. He can be the number one guy in the offense. So I had to pick him up, um, and he ended up working out. And this year, I'm kind of seeing the same thing from Chase Claypool in Pittsburgh. This guy is a physical freak. He's tall, big, fast. Um, strong hands, strong body. He's almost like a tight end playing receiver. And recent reports have been saying, I think it was Eric Ebron, the tight end, and uh, Joe Hayden, the corner, that he's going to be a problem. That was the word they both used. Problem. <laughs> he's going to be a problem. <laughs> and uh, I would rather be too early than too late yeah. in, in the back of the drafts when uh, you're, t- you're taking flyers. When someone has that kind of physical talent, and he's getting those kinds of glowing reports from his teammates. I I want to take a shot on him. Um, yeah. I also like Alan Lazard, but we've talked about him before. Claypool, we've never touched on in the show, and I think he has some real potential in his rookie year. Yeah, I mean, you just took my answer with Lazard, but that's okay. We've definitely talked about him a lot, so we don't <laughs> need to give him that much more love. Another guy that I touched on a little bit previously is Paris Campbell. I think he should uh, at least deserve some looks towards the end of the draft because – the number two receiver isn't set in stone with Michael Pittman Jr. in Indianapolis, and T.Y. Hilton is known to be injury-prone. So Paris Campbell should be looking like there's a lot of reps to go around, and I think that he will receive some of those reps. So I do like Paris Campbell late in drafts. Um, he's fast. Yeah, he's fast, fast. Another guy that I'm just thinking of, like just cycling through my head, um, I, I, I kind of like Preston Williams. Like the, the Dolphins, I think – they weren't a terrible offense, like passing wise last year, because they had Fitzpatrick who just wanted to sling it. But I think if Fitzpatrick stays the quarterback, like as long as he's the quarterback, I think you can play Williams in some weeks. So that's one guy that I have taken a few spots. But yeah, I really like Alan Lazard to take late in drafts for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, the last one topic I just want to touch in touch on. So I have my fantasy draft tomorrow, Thursday, when this show will be up. And I have the first pick, so I'm going to lock in McCaffrey, but I'm deciding, and hopefully nobody from my league is listening to this right now, but um, I want George Kittle in the second. If I were to go George Kittle, Will, 
Would you take Kenny Galladay or Allen Robinson as the wide receiver one to even out that team? I would go with Allen Robinson um, as your wide receiver one only because I'm super high on TJ Hawkinson. And I think the volume concerns for Galladay are there. The injury risk is slightly higher. Robinson, I think, has the highest floor of the two of those two guys. So I, I would go Robinson. Um, yeah. Just because he's going to get a ton of receptions. He's going to be locked in starter week in, week out. I think there are matchups where Galladay might struggle against bigger corners. So... Yeah, I prefer Robinson. I I like the first pick. Like I don't. I want having McCaffrey on my team will be great. But when you're doing the draft, it's kind of fun to be like in the middle of the in right. the middle of like fourth to through seventh pick because then you're like picking guys off from your friends and that's fun. But um, the first pick will be fun. I I don't love being on the turn. It takes forever for it to come back around. But yeah, and those runs can be dangerous. So like, dangerous. Okay, I need a running back now, and then 10 running backs go before yeah. your pick, and you're like, oh, what do I do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, one guy that I was definitely targeting as, like, a running back in the fourth round was David Montgomery, so I hope that he's going to be okay with this recent injury no- news because, like, he's going later than I thought he should be. And somehow on ESPN, Mark Ingram is 70th in ADP. Just insane. I know he doesn't really catch passes, but still, in half PPR, he shouldn't be 70th. So that's another running back that I um, was targeting. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the bulk of the episode, the wide receivers 13 through 24. So we touched on 1 through through 12 on Tuesday's pod. Um, Number 13 is Cooper Cup for the Los Angeles Rams. I have Cooper Cup at 14, and you have him at 13. So it's very close for both of us. Um, the one thing that uh, we both like Cooper cup a lot, the touchdown upside is there. And I really think that you can count on that touchdown, uh, production to stay there because Gurley has left and there will be, there's a lot of touchdowns to go around in Los Angeles and Cooper cup is the primary target in the red zone in the passing game. So he should still receive a lot of touchdowns. The one thing that I'm a little scared about is the Rams have fully bought into this 12 personnel set. And last season when they bought into that or towards the end of the season and tried to win games with that. Cooper Cup didn't play more than 70% of the snaps. So he wasn't always on the field, and you need a guy like that to always be on the field. But the good thing is his his best games was when he was like below 60% snap percentage. So he can do a lot with a little. What do you think about Cooper Cup? Yeah, I think he might be one of the most talented players in this range. He's big, he's physical, he plays in the slot, which gives him a pretty high floor. I have some reservations about the Rams' offense um, at the, the team as a whole. I don't think they're going to be very good. But if they're trailing a lot, uh, Cup should be in the games. Uh, same with Robert Woods. I'm not sure that both Woods and Cup both have a great season. I think they might take away from each other, but they're both really safe. I think out of the two, Cup is less safe but has more upside. But because we're, we value safety, that's why we have Woods higher, I think. Yeah, one thing I want to touch on real quick. I don't know if you were telling me this or if I saw it on Hard Knocks, but um, there's this thing that like the Rams use their wide receivers in like a blocking format. Were you telling? Were we talking about this earlier? I don't think so. Okay, so basically on Hard Knocks, I think McVay was talking about how they like to use Cooper Cup blocking for the running backs, and so they focused a lot on that when they went into the um, different set. 
And so he had to learn a whole new position. And that's why it was tough for him to get reps at wide receiver. And now that he's more comfortable in that role, he's going to get even more reps. So that was like one thing that they were talking about on Hard Knocks. And it's just cool to like watch that and like see training camp live. But I think like, I think Cooper Cup is fine. I don't like, I think his floor is pretty high. I don't think he's going to be lower than wide receiver 18 or 19. And yeah. if he gets 10 touchdowns, which is definitely in the range of outcomes, he could be a top 12 receiver. For sure. All right, number 14, Amari Cooper. I know there's some discrepancy in our rankings with Amari Cooper. I'm at 12. You're at 16 or 17. Um, I still have confidence in the wide receiver one on the Cowboys, if that's Cooper right now, and I believe it is. Um, yes, he did miss eight, or he was a decoy in eight games because of injury, and that has always been a concern for his career. But if you're going to give me a healthy Amari Cooper for 16 games with the Cowboys, I think I'm going to be pretty happy with what I get. Um, one other thing I want to touch on is I do think he's a good fantasy player. A top 15 receiver is decent, but I don't think I'm going to end up with him on many teams because you're probably taking Amari Cooper as wide receiver one. On most platforms, his ADP is in top 12 receivers, and I don't really want Amari Cooper as my wide receiver one. Not saying that he's bad because of that. It's just someone that I don't want as my first receiver. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have no parts of Mario Cooper. Me having like having him at 16, there's no way I ever get him. I don't want to get him. I like there there is injury concerns with him. He gets injured a lot. There are a lot of games where he just kind of disappears, uh, especially on the road and in colder games. He just kind of I don't know what happens, but he just doesn't produce. And I also think a Michael Gallup breakout is coming. He's going to yeah. his third year, and. This like he might even overtake Amari Cooper in this offense. So I think there's just the the, the like the likely outcome is that Amari Cooper is a top twenty receiver. That's probably the most likely outcome. But I think there's just too many risk factors going against him that you don't see elsewhere in this range, which is why I have him lower. Like, can he finish as a top ten receiver? Sure, he's uber talented. He's one of the best route runners in the league. But there's He's just too risky for me at this yeah. point in the draft. I think talent-wise, Gallup can definitely usurp him. But Amari Cooper is one of the few receivers getting paid $100 million over five seasons. And with that money, especially from an owner who is very um, involved in his team with Jerry Jones, I think Jones would be very appalled if he wasn't utilized as the first receiver and he's receiving that money. So that might push him to stay as wide receiver one. But talent-wise, nothing's holding Gallup back from becoming the wide receiver one in this offense at all. Yeah. All right, let's move on to 15. Juju Smith-Schuster um, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. A very disappointing season from Smith-Schuster last year when there were high hopes with Antonio Brown gone. I have Smith-Schuster at 16. Will has him at 14. I thought you were lower on Smith-Schuster from our risers and faller. Um, I might be moving him back. That might not be accurate. We'll see. All right, well, anyways, he's probably going to be in the wide receiver two range um, come season start. But just talk about some of the disappoint or like the things that you're not excited for with Juju. Yeah, he has a lot of risk concerns for this year. Um, last year, he really just had a bad year. And yes, he didn't have Roethlisberger, but he was still outproduced on a per-game basis by Deontay Johnson. He is moving back in the slot, which is good. And there certainly is the upside where he goes back to his 2018 form. But, like, we don't know how good he is anymore. Like, last year was bad, and I still think he's really talented. But what if he isn't as good as we think he is? 
We haven't seen him produce since he was with Antonio Brown. Um, I don't know. There's just, like, there's too much unknowns, I guess. Yeah, I think there's just, like, in the NFL, there are some wide receiver twos that are better off having that wide receiver one on the field with them for their production. For example, Chris Godwin, he's better off having Mike Evans on the field because he receives the second cornerback and he can burn that guy and he's in the slot. Uh, Cooper Cup, we were just talking about him. He benefits from having Robert Woods taking the first um, cornerback. And Calvin Ridley, another one who we expect to break out, he benefits from them triple-teaming Julio Jones the red zone. I think Juju Smith-Schuster benefited a lot from Antonio Brown being on the field because they threw the ball so much that there was volume to go around. I expect that to come down because while Roethlisberger could be talented, he's 38 years old. They don't have a backup that they're confident in, and they need him for at least a few more seasons before they can get their future quarterback figured out. So... I think they'll scale back on passing, and I think Juju is someone who benefits from having an alpha dog on the field outside of him taking that pressure off, and he's going to be receiving all the pressure, and I don't think he can handle it to the best of the abilities or to the abilities that you would want him to if you want him to be your wide receiver one. I will say, though, that I am excited about Claypool, like I said before, and I still think Deontay Johnson's a really good talent. So if those guys can make a a big step forward, I don't think it eats into Juju's target share. I think it actually makes him more productive. So, like, normally if other receivers are better, it would take away from one guy. But I think if those guys are better, it actually makes Juju a better option. Yeah, so yeah. So, we'll, we'll see. The Steelers' offense is definitely going to be something to monitor. We'll watch the, the headlines from training camp. But he has the talent to be wide receiver one. But the injury risk plus the workload risk plus the quarterback plus maybe not the best offense. Right. Plus, just, the defense just, is great. So they, like, right. my at first, you know, the Steelers are all about offense, offense, offense for the past five years when they had Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Um, but this year they have a slew of running backs who are all pretty talented in their roles. Guys like James Conner, Benny Snell, Jalen Samuel, all decent players, Anthony McFarland. They all have, they're all going to have a role in this offense, in my opinion, to some extent, because I think that Mike Tomlin is really going to, go for the running uh or the pounding the ground and pound uh method this year and utilize his amazing defense to its best abilities and utilize his running game and i think that might cut out someone like juju smith schuster from having a great year and really limit his ceiling but i don't think wide receiver 15 is really a disappointment right all right let's move on to 16 adam thielen who is the presumed wide receiver one of the minnesota vikings um for this offense who's it's been really good in the past few seasons Mostly predicated on the running game, but there's been a lot of value with Thielen and Diggs over the past two, three seasons in Minnesota, but both you and I see regression happening in Minnesota. Um, the defense isn't as good as it's been in years past, but like, what do you what do you think about Adam Thielen in Minnesota? He's someone that I've loved the talent of for a long time, and I still do. Um, last year was the first season where he hasn't played 16 games. So I think it's probably more of an outlier. I don't think there is a ton of injury concern with Adam Thielen. I think having Diggs on the field helped him. Uh, the se- like the second option is gonna be like Kyle Rudolph or uh, Justin rookie Justin Jefferson. They have like Ola BC Johnson. Like there isn't there aren't a lot of guys that can take in like that are gonna eat into his target share. But it's gonna be a run heavy offense. Teams are gonna be focusing primarily on Thielen in the passing game. And, like, if you're drafting him, you're drafting him based on talent and volume. Yeah. 
which is is it's fair, but I have concerns about the offense, touchdown upside, and I think that having two strong tight ends in Rudolph and Irvin Smith, who I like coming into his I think second year, they should get a lot of touchdowns. So I think the touchdown upside is lower, but I still like him. I just there's a little bit of uncertainty with him. Yeah, I mean the volume will definitely be there. Basically, it by default has to be with their lack of options. And I think probably a worse running game we expect this year than last. Um, but it's like I think the outlook is pretty gross because I just don't think I don't know. I actually think Adam Thielen isn't as great as a player as he was two years ago. I don't think he's injury prone because I do think that was an outlier of a season. But I don't really love like Kirk Cousins. I I just don't really want a part of this offense. It doesn't excite me. It doesn't get me. You know, I don't want to watch the Minnesota Vikings play football every Sunday. And I kind of want to watch my fantasy players and be excited about it. And Adam Thielen just doesn't excite me, and that's where I'm at with him right now. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a disappointing offense. Yeah. 17, Odell Beckham Jr., I'm completely off. I, I've i seen him go as high as the first round still. I really don't understand that. Late second is where he's going, I guess, in most drafts. But it's he's still just, like, using his big name to – give himself a lot of fantasy upside and I just don't see it like I really think this is I think the Browns will have a very good offense actually with Kevin Stefanski um as their head coach bringing in that rushing um mentality from Minnesota but I expect them to be very run heavy they have two of the best probably 15 running backs in the NFL on their roster in Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb and if those two guys are there for the entire season I think that they'll utilize them as much as possible and I think their defense has improved as well so they're gonna go that direction. They want to hide Baker's flaws as much as possible, in my opinion. I just don't think I'll have Odell Beckham on any of my teams. I have him at wide receiver 19 right now. Yeah. he. Well, first of all, he is incredibly talented. And, like, like I guess fading anyone or, like, avoiding anyone with that kind of talent is definitely dangerous because in the right situation, he could be the number one overall receiver because he's that good. I have actually been kind of talking myself into Odell Beckham Jr. Um, in Jarvis Landry's first year with Baker Mayfield, there were some struggles. In his second year, they kind of like they figured it out, and Landry had a great year. Beckham, by his standards, last year it was a down year. Didn't score very, like very many touchdowns. Um, he was about the same as Landry in terms of yardage. But second year with Baker Mayfield, I think they probably take that jump, that leap forward. It's going to be run heavy offense, I agree. But I think the talent is just, it's so massive. I think the offense is going to be so good that if you draft Odell Beckham Jr., you're not going to feel bad about it. I don't, like, because of the situation, he doesn't have, like, top five upside, in my opinion. But I think he actually is quite safe if he stays healthy, which is also a concern. So, yeah, I'm okay drafting him. But in most drafts, he's going too early because of the name. He's not going at his, like, like where he, like I guess his ranking, like where he should be. He's going earlier just because of the name, and that's why I'm probably not going to draft him. But at the end of the second round, early third round, I'm okay taking him. But there's other guys I like more than him. Yeah, I just I think that factors in a lot for me where he's going in drafts, and then like that affects like if I ever will have my team. I just think the answer is no. Like I I don't even know if I want Odell Beck. I don't think he's even my top shot option if I want him to be my wide receiver too. Like. I don't know. I've had it with Odell Beckham Jr. on my fantasy teams, just messing up my seasons, and I think that like that leaves a stain on your you as well as a fantasy owner. And 
like I think he's been writing off his rookie season and his first two years for his whole career. And I understand how he's very talented. I'm not taking anything away from that. And I do believe that he will be better than last season, but that's not saying much. He was horrible last year with Baker Mayfield. Um, I I just have no desire having Odell Beckham on any of my teams. Yeah, I mean, like I think a lot of people share that sentiment. I think that could be a reason why he slips in drafts, and then if he slips enough, he becomes a value. But I think in most home leagues. He probably won't slip that much, so you're probably not going to be able to get him at value. That's fine with me, completely. And the thing is, like, every year there's some guys where you're just like, if they go off, like, I missed on it, but you have to be okay with that on some people. Like, you just have to trust your gut, and if you don't think that player is going to have a good outlook, then that's okay. And if they do go off, then you missed out, but you just trust yourself, and usually you're fine with that because yeah, you weren't going to have gonna on your team your anyways. League. You're not going to lose your league by not drafting Odell Beckham Jr., right. but you could lose it by drafting him. It's kind right, of, right, you know, right, 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 right. The logic. Okay, let's move on to 18. DJ Chark for the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is my my guy. So, basically, we've gone over my guys before. I just think DJ Chark, I'm putting my stamp on it, is going to have another great season. He Okay, so, like, the thing with uh, DJ Chark is, so last year, um, like, he broke out. His rookie season, he had like 11 catches or something, and there was some stat where there's like seven guys who've gone from less than 20 catches in their first season to um, over 70 in the second year, and DJ Chark was one of those guys to do it. He had 73 catches um, for, let me see what, I'm pulling it up right now, how many yards he had, but uh, over 1,000, 1,008, and that was his breakout, and a lot of these guys in his range like Calvin Ridley, for example, while I have Calvin Ridley ahead of DJ Chark, it was very close for me. I have really one spot ahead of Chark. Chark is all the way up at 15 for me. And, or sorry, two spots ahead of Chark. Ridley is at 13. But Ridley hasn't broken out yet. We're all hoping that he breaks out. We all think he will. Chark already broke out and he already has a connection with Gardner Minshew. And that connection was formed over one training camp that they spent together. And then they were thrust into the season after Nick Foles got hurt. So now that they've had it, I know it's a shortened training camp, but now that they've had a full off season to prepare for this season together, I, and Minshew is definitely the starter. I don't think this team's going to be good. And I actually think that helps out Chark. Chark on reception perception was the number one uh, deep ball catch guy last season. And Gardner Minshew throws a lot of deep balls. So I, I just think that, um, DJ Chark has a great outlook and with a guy like Gardner Minshew in the offense, and they, they had, a, he had a 61.9% catch percentage last year and he's a very talented receiver. So I expect that to go up as well. I just think he's going to get more volume and be more efficient with that volume. So I really like DJ Chark. Yeah. I love DJ Chark talent for sure. He has an amazing physical profile. He's fast. He's big. He's strong. He can jump high. Like he does everything you want in an X receiver. So he's great. There are definitely concerns about the offense. I think Minshew is actually underrated. I think people don't give him the credit that he deserves because he's a, sec- he's a sixth round pick. Um, he's like flashy with his personality, but people just think he's some kind of gimmick. And he's not a gimmick. He's a good quarterback. So I just think there's going to be games where he just kind of, the offense just shits the bed and he gets like three catches for 36 yards. Um Maybe there's games where they don't score a touchdown. That's my concern with some other guys, too. But outside of that, like when games stay close and when there's garbage time and he's in the game, he's going to put up, he can put up massive numbers. He should put up 
quite a few touchdowns. He should have a pretty high target share in that offense. I will say that they threw for, uh, I think, I forget the split. There was like a weird passing, rushing split with their touchdowns. I think it was, they had more rushing well, touchdowns. It was because than they Fournette have. couldn't get into the end zone to save his life on the ground. He only had three rushing touchdowns. Right. Yeah, so it was, it was more passing touchdowns than they should have. Uh, the offense is really, really bad. I'm not sure it really gets better. And if they get more ground touchdowns, it should mean fewer passing touchdowns. So that, I don't know. I, I think the the weekly upside on Chark is very high. The weekly four is very low. But if he's a wide receiver, like a backhand wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three, he's someone that I love having on my, all my teams. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, with, with a lot of these guys who are put output like Chark, Kenny Galladay, Tyreek Hill even, they have those dud weeks. So when you're drafting them, draft them with a grain of salt and just be ready for those dud weeks to happen, but then rejoice when you play them during those boom weeks because you will be more, I think you'll be rewarded more times than not with a guy like DJ Chark because of how many targets he will get and how many, like those targets that he's getting are high air yard, high value targets from a decent quarterback. I hate, I just hate how to an extent, all these quarterbacks and all these players in the NFL, they always have that draft capital attached to them. I understand that yeah. he was a six-round pick. Tom Brady was a six-round pick. Like, yeah. I'm not comparing Gardner Minshew to Tom Brady, but just let him fucking play. He's their starting quarterback. He Like, stop, stop attaching the six-round pick mantra to Gardner Minshew and taking it away from him that he should be a starter. He should be a starter in the NFL, and there's, there's nothing else to be said about that. Um, I really like DJ Tariq's outlook. Yeah, one one concern though is Chark did have a massive week. I think he had his biggest weeks when Foles was the quarterback because Foles is a great deep ball thrower. Minshew, as much as I like him, he's more of a West Coast style quarterback. He doesn't have those, he's not like a, a very accurate deep ball thrower. So I think Chark might not have those like 60 yard bomb touchdowns, which limits his upside a bit. I think their connection is going to get better. Minshew will get better. So I think he's someone you can take a chance on, but just be wary of the, the the low floor. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's enough said about DJ Chark. Um, moving on to number nineteen, we have DK Metcalf. Uh, I think this is basically a um, product of me thinking that Metcalf is going to usurp Tyler Lockett as the number one in that offense. But it's like, okay, Lockett's our twentieth receiver. I think both these guys can have value because Russell Wilson's so great. Um, I don't expect them to like completely unleash Russ, even though they should do that. But I think that the passing volume will go up this year a little bit, just because the running back room is a little depleted. Chris Carson is in and out of an injury, and um, I, I just think like the product of I, I guess I did add Jamal Adams, but the product of where they're at as a team, they're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more than they want to. It works when they don't, but I I just think they have the talent to do so. DK Metcalf is so talented. Physical attributes off the charts. Um, I really think that Russell Wilson is going to use his abilities to the best, and he will be catching a lot of touchdowns for that Seahawks offense. Yeah, I love Metcalf the player, and I've had Lockett ahead of him all offseason. I think I still do. But I, I'm kind of starting to put Metcalf above him. I'm like trending towards that just because like, there's a chance that he just ascends to like absolute superstardom this year. I don't see that with Lockett. I think Lockett is very safe. He has that tried and true connection with Wilson, but 
we saw it in the playoffs with Metcalf. He just overpowers people, jumps over them, runs through them. Like the man is a freak. And so I like as wide receiver two or three, like taking a chance on a guy like that. Why not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I think there's some false perception. I mean, and we'll get to this with Tyler Lockett because he's our next receiver. And I guess we can just talk about these guys together because they're going to be talked about a lot. But I feel like there's some false perception that Tyler Lockett is some, like, Julian Edelman, uh, Jameson kind of type receiver who's going to have 10 catches a game for, like, right. or, like, be that consistent thing. I think he's very consistent, like, as an NFL receiver and just always being there for Russell Wilson. But... Like, if you're relying on a, f- a guy who's going to average five to six catches a game as your wide receiver, too, I don't think you're going to get very far. Um, over the past two seasons, he's had, I mean, I guess he only played 14 games in 2018, but he only had 70 targets. And last year, he was the obvious number one option. And this was the first time he had over 71 targets in a season. So he's not a high target guy. I don't think any wide receiver in a Seahawks offense that is mostly run heavy is going to be a high target guy. But I think. Metcalf's targets are more valuable because they are more down the field, air yards, and I think he's, even though he's so young, I think he's more talented than Lockett in the red zone. And that's not taking anything away from from Lockett, it's just saying that Metcalf is very talented. I think Lockett's still a great red zone receiver. Yeah, so there's definitely like a lot of false perceptions about this wide receiver core as a whole, because Metcalf, he's more than just a big jump ball guy. Uh, we know that, we saw it last year. And Lockett, he isn't that like slot like run a slant every single play guy. When Wilson runs out of the pocket, Lockett has just incredible ability to like just maneuver and find his way open. And they just they do that, and that's why they connect for so many long touchdowns. They do it every every year. Lockett's like seven to ten touchdowns, despite his size. Like being small doesn't mean you can't score a touchdown. Right, I think right, that's right. A, like everyone's like, oh, this guy is six four. You must get ten touchdowns. Like that's not how it works. Yeah. Like, teams are not throwing fades in the red zone every single play anymore. Teams are, like, almost no one throws fades anymore. It's like a horrible low percentage play that results in interceptions. Yeah. So, Lockett can score touchdowns. He's a great receiver. Metcalf's a great receiver. I have them both ranked similarly, but I think I'm starting to like the upside of Metcalf more, so I might put him ahead of him. Can can we just touch on the fade real quick? Because growing up, just like, and, and we didn't, like, think about talking about this before the show, but growing up, just watching, like, all these great receivers catch these fade routes, I just felt like they were always, like, you're one yard from the end zone, and that just seems like such a tough play. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. yes, I trust my best receiver to go up and catch a ball, but he's probably going to, if you you send some, like, slant and some, like, fake pick, because you're not allowed to pick in the NFL, but if you send some fake pick, they're probably going to get open. Like, why would you just throw the ball up, and, like, if it gets tipped and can be intercepted by a defensive lineman or something, it just results in so many different outcomes. I never understood the logic behind the fade route, but... Yeah, the only exception I've ever seen in my entire life is Calvin Johnson because it just, it just worked every time because he was 6'4 and jumped everyone and just caught it. Like, yeah. it was like, he's the only player I've seen where it was like a high percentage play to throw a fade. Julio Jones is pretty good too, but... Um, yeah, that's enough about the fade. I guess we talked about Lockett, who's at 20 for us a little bit. Is there anything else you want to say about Tyler Lockett at 20? Not really. I just think he... He's pretty safe. Um, the weekly floor actually is lower than people seem to think. Yeah, that's just what isn't. I was touching on. I, I wasn't trying to say that he's not a consistent guy. I was just trying right. to say, like, it's he's consistent in, like, the way that he will have some output every week, but it's not like Jameson Crowder-type player where you're just going to get 10 targets a week. 
Yeah, and Lockett tends to be better when the Seahawks are throwing more. They have been so run-heavy inexplicably for the past, like, six years. But if they end up throwing more, Lockett should be better and Metcalf should be great, too. All right, well, moving on to wide receiver 21, we have Terry McLaurin. Um, this is Will's my guy, so why don't you talk about Terry McLaurin real quick? Yeah, so I talked about how I loved him coming into last year as a draft pick, and I think it, I'm, I guess you can call me a Terry McLaurin homer. He's one of my favorite players in the NFL. I love watching him play. The Washington offense was horrible last year, but just watching McLaurin, he was getting open against guys like Stephon Gilmore, Byron Jones, all these like elite NFL corners, and he was just like, like running into them and then making these sharp cuts and getting open, and then Dwayne Haskins or Case Keenum throw it ten yards above his head, and it was pissing me off. But if he, play, if he plays, if he plays week seventeen, I think he reaches a thousand yards for the season. Yeah. He was, he's like a couple yards shy, I think. And he's just like, he's so talented. He's one of those guys that just gets open every single play. Uh, it feels like it's just so frustrating watching it because I had him on my fantasy team. I started him a lot last year. Just watching how open he was getting and just how little he was getting the ball compared to how much I thought he should have. I think Haskins is going to be better. Uh, it's obviously taking a risk if you think this offense is going to be good. I don't think the offense is going to be like elite. But yeah. I think they're going to be better than they were last year. It's hard to be worse. Um, the rushing offense is going to be bad. I think the passing offense should be decent at least. And I just love McLaurin, the talent. I think if he gets the ball when he's open, he should have a pretty high weekly floor. And he's also shown that in the red zone, he just gets open and makes sick one-handed catches. So, I mean, I, I just yeah. I love the player. All right, two things. So, I actually have a few things. But Terry McLaurin, a lot of his wide receiver uh, like statistics in the rookie year uh, compared to Julio Jones' output, and I'm not like calling Terry McLaurin Julio Jones or anything like that, but... The early the early career production is very comparable to Julio Jones, and I just think the sky's the limit for his talent. The other thing is, I just hate I hear that all the time. Every NFL talk show, which they're all fake. Like if you get your news from there, please stop. <laughs> they just rerun the same shit all over. I'm sorry, ESPN, if you want to sue me for that, but they just called Terry McLaurin a speedster, and he's so yep. much more than a speedster. It's every single podcast that I listen to, it's like, the f- like yeah, compliment his speed, please. But that should not always be the first thing that you compliment. Will yeah. sent me this video a few weeks ago breaking down Terry McLaurin, and the first clip is of Terry McLaurin sticking his foot in the ground, running a 10-yard out route, and setting Stephon Gilmore into another dimension. And that's what should be talked about. Terry McLaurin is one of the best route runners in the NFL, and it does not get talked about enough. He's perennially undervalued and even though it's only been one year it's it's got like there's just players like this and it happens across all sports like Damian Lillard you get this perception of him early on in his career because either he's on a bad team or there's just some beef against him and I feel like that's the type of way that we're looking at Terry McLaurin he's on a bad offense but he's one of the most talented receivers already in the NFL I think this offense will get better I don't have Terry McLaurin as high as you will because I still have some doubts in like Dwayne Haskins and the offense and just like and, getting and used to so. yeah right like I just trust the situation of ty- guys like Tyler Lockett uh, Metcalf guys I have ahead of him Devontae Parker but it's nothing against Terry McLaurin's talent at all it, enough with like yeah doubting Terry McLaurin like in his first game I think he had five catches for 121 yards and he burned Rasul Douglas for like a 76 yard touchdown and ever since then it's like oh he's a burner he's a speedster right. but damn, that weekly floor is low. Like, what if he doesn't, what if they, like, what if all the safeties sit back? 
then he can't get open. That's just not true. Yeah. So I think there's just too many misconceptions, and that's why he's being so undervalued, in my opinion. So I love drafting him. Yeah, all right. Well, like, that's enough. We both love Terry McLaurin. And just don't get your news from ESPN and get it from Semi-Pro Fantasy Show. That's what our huge message is here. But let's move on to 22. A.J. Brown, a guy who had a breakout second half of the season last year and really helped uh, that Titans team usurp their small floor to get into the playoffs. And A.J. Brown actually, like, gives me a, like, okay, a good comp for me is I think Marquise Brown will be this year's A.J. Brown. And just to, like, Touch on that real quick. He's the way they play is very similar in the in the offense. They're very similar because both teams want to run the ball a lot. And what AJ Brown and Marquise Brown afford is like they open up the playbook because they're just so quick. They're such great route runners, and they can just take the top off the defense when you're running the ball, and then they can just get you the ball in great positions because the defense is so worried about the running game. So I think AJ Brown will benefit from that, like he did last year. But I don't think we can expect what we got from him last year even though it was a small sample size. Yeah, well, I think the the better the running game is, the better A.J. Brown will do. Because Agreed. Because on play-action plays, he just, like... Because he, he isn't the greatest separator. That's one of his weaknesses. He doesn't have, like, the highest, like, short-range agility. He's very physical. He's very fast. He's very strong. But he doesn't have that kind of, like, quickness. But when there's a play-action, you generally have longer to get open. Um, and he showed last year, like, he just shoved people out of the way and just got open downfield and he's like there's no one within like 10 yards when like half the catches he got so that can happen again if the running offense is as good as it was last year i don't think the offense is going to be like it was last year they lost conklin in free agency to the browns they really didn't add much talent anywhere on their roster in the offseason they mostly just lost guys so i'm pretty low on the titans as a whole i like brown the talent but I just I think he's going to be open a lot less because the play-action game isn't going to be quite as effective as it was last year. But if it is, he has the upside to be a top-20 receiver. Yeah, again, I share the same concerns with you of A.J. Brown. Like, I don't think he's a high-volume guy. And the thing is, he's also being drafted very high. Like, He's definitely being drafted Super ahead high. of 22 where we have him. And it's because of like everybody's enamored with what he did last year. And I'm not taking anything away from that. He's so talented. And um, this offense is great and, like, really revolves around uh, his talents. I think he's obvious, the obvious number one option here in Tennessee. But I don't know if you can really, like, apart from, like, okay, so we have all these guys, DJ Chark, Kenny Galladay, Tyreek Hill, who are up and down guys and boomer bust guys. But you can rely on them a lot more than a guy like A.J. Brown, in my opinion, at least. I don't think you're going to get as many boom games as you think out of A.J. Brown um, in the 2020 season. Is there anything else you want to touch on with A.J. Brown? All right, let's move on to 23, Devontae Parker. Another guy who, he was, I think he was the wide receiver three last year. A guy whose career had been basically written off over his first few seasons in the NFL. He is very talented now. And I don't think, like, we can just say it was a fluke because he hasn't been good in years past. Guys, take that jump. I have Devontae Parker higher than you do. I have him at 21. You have him at uh, 25, it looks like. But my whole thing with Devontae Parker is when I draft a team, I'm really looking to get off to a good start. And with Ryan Fitzpatrick as the presumed starter to start the year, I think you can rely on those boom weeks for Devontae Parker with Fitzpatrick uh, under under center. Yeah, I like him, the player. When he's coming out of Louisville, I liked him a lot. 
I saw him just kind of as like mostly a big jump ball guy. I didn't see the, like the the quickness. I still don't see it now. I don't think he has like a ton of like between the hashes ability, but he's a great X receiver. Um, he's been a great red zone target for this team. He gets a lot of touchdowns, but there's a lot of uncertainty with the quarterback position in Miami. I don't think you can really trust him on a week to week basis. I think Mike Gesicki takes a step forward at tight end. I think Preston Williams being back uh, hurts the, the weekly upside of Devontae Parker. And they're just there's a lot of injury concerns with him, too. He's been injured all throughout his career, and that's a big reason why he hasn't been productive. Yeah. And I there's a lot of risk. And at this point in the draft, you're not too concerned about risk because you're definitely looking at him as wide receiver three for the most part. So, yeah, you can take him. I don't like him where he's going personally, but I don't. I wouldn't feel bad having him on a team with Fitzpatrick as the quarterback. Like I know we can't really project how long he's going to be the quarterback. If they start zero and four, he's probably not going to be the quarterback anymore. But um, like right now, we just have to look at what we have. And with Fitzpatrick as a starter, usually a guy who likes who favors throwing to wide receivers. And the target share is pretty consolidated between Devontae Parker, who's a much more talented player, in my opinion, than Preston Williams, who isn't bad. I will give him that at all. We mentioned him earlier, and I think he's a very good late-round option. Not not taking anything away from him, but I think Parker's the first look here. I don't expect much receiving work out of the backfield. Breda's decent. Jordan Howard can't really catch passes. Also, Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't really throw to running backs anyways. So I think you can rely on Parker for the first few weeks. Um as long as Fitzpatrick is the uh, starter in a plus matchup. Like, obviously, if he's playing against... If he gets Stephon Gilmore, it's going to be tough to play him. If he gets... Like, I don't... I'm not looking at the uh, Dolphins' schedule right right now, but if they are to play, like, really good defenses in the first few weeks, then I'm not going to take Parker on my team. I just... He's not, like, a matchup-proof guy at all. Right. So, it's definitely, like, I'll play him a plus in a plus matchup. If, he, if he's playing the Bengals, he's going to give me 30 points. So, that's yeah. a week where I would play him. Um, let's move on to 24. <clears throat> wide receiver 24 for us, Michael Gallup, a guy we both really like. We only have one my guy at wide receiver, but this is definitely one of our favorite breakout candidates. Will has him at 23. I have him at 25. I really like Michael Gallup as well. Speak to why you think Michael Gallup will have a breakout year, Will. Well, first of all, we've talked in the past about the third-year receivers. And the, we, I always say the first year they're getting their feet wet. Second year, they're building chemistry and kind of figuring out the nuances of the league. Third year, put it all together. Right. Um, Michael Gallup in his first year got his feet wet. Second year, last year, he was kind of figuring out the nuances of route running. Over the course of the year, I saw him get better at the top of his routes. I saw him get better on his releases. I saw a lot of improvement. So he's following the trajectory, and I think this year he could have that breakout. Now, not being the, number, the clear number one limits his upside, but I think he's a, a 1B, or potentially a 1A, and if Cooper gets injured, which is certainly possible, he becomes probably a, a top 15 guy for sure. So I think there's there's a lot of upside. I think being the 1B in Dallas is a safe floor, and I'm honestly considering moving up even higher in my rankings because I just love him. Yeah, I think I might have to reevaluate as well and move him up even more because like, I, I just think that the, the ceiling is so high. I We've talked about how this Dallas defense isn't as good in, as in years past, and they're going to have to throw the ball. And Dak Prescott is not a bad quarterback at, by any means. Like, 
yes, his record is not great, but he will like if they have to throw the ball forty times a game, Prescott will do it. Like he is not, he's there's nothing against him doing that, and his uh, efficiency shouldn't decrease by much. So I think Michael Gallup, there will be so many targets to go around. Ceedee Lamb coming in doesn't really concern us at all with Michael Gallup's um, production. We love Michael Gallup on the show. Um, before we end the show, just a few shout outs on some guys. Uh, Marquise Brown, we talked about him a little bit earlier. If he stays healthy, there are a lot of injury concerns. We, he said he put on like 20 to 25 pounds. And if he's able to keep the speed with that weight, it's amazing because that he should be healthier with all that muscle. Um, monster upside. Yeah, exactly. Monster upside. If he can give you 16 games, you're going to be very happy with his output. Darius Slayton, just a guy that if he goes off, I want the credit because I've been saying it all along. And we only have one my guy, but I really want the credit on Darius Slayton if he goes off. I think there is a chance. Like, obviously, honestly, the wide receiver one of the Giants offense, even if it is Slayton, you're probably not that happy with him on a week-to-week basis. But I think that if you play Slayton in the right matchup, he was like winning jump balls against guys like Stephon Gilmore consistently in the season. And I think that Slayton's a very talented, very young guy who can like kind of put it together. I think him and Daniel Jones have a connection, and I really like Darius Slayton. And if he breaks out, just give me the credit, please. <laughs> yeah, and then one more guy I want to bring up is Cortland Sutton. Now, he's almost like a dishonorable mention because on ESPN – I think he's ranked as like the number 14 or 15 receiver overall, and we don't have him in the top 24. So we're clearly very low on Cortland Sun. I think the reason is the Broncos offense is probably getting a bit too overhyped. Um, we saw Locke struggle to get Sutton the ball consistently when he was the quarterback last year. They drafted two receivers with their first two picks, first and second round, with Judy and Hamler. And it's also going to be a run-heavy offense. Yeah. There's just, like... I love Sutton, the player. He's a, a very physical ex-receiver. He should get 70 catches for 1,000 yards. That's, like, what he should get. But the floor is lower than that. Um, if Judy breaks out, if Hamler takes, like, a high target share, I didn't even bring up Noah Fant, who should be a great tight end for them. There's just there's so Hamilton, ma- too, is there still. He's not a very yeah. talented player, but, like, he will get targets um, in that short passing game. Yeah, there's so many mouths to feed in Denver. I like Sutton the player a lot, but the upside is capped. The floor is low, and he's just going way too high in drafts because everyone thinks, like, yes, he's, he's also going to his third year, so the breakup potential is there for him. But there's so much working against him, he's going way too high, so I just want no part of Cortland Sutton this year. Okay, a few more guys I want to bring up because we have a little bit more time, but Deontay Johnson for the Steelers, we touched on him a little bit earlier. Like, if they do go more pass-heavy than we think, I think Deontay Johnson could have a very good breakout season. I know it's only his second year, and he, but and he's going to be working with Roethlisberger for, with his first, first season. But I still think that Deontay Johnson could be good this year. And then one situation I want to talk about that we haven't touched on enough is the Texans and their receivers. I, like, I really think Will Fuller can be a guy that you draft and be okay with it because he's going in, like, the 7th, 8th round, and meaning you don't have to start him like every single week yeah. and when he goes off it's usually easy to predict like w plus matchups and he's in the slot a lot and um deshaun watson and him have a connection already so i think that you'll be able to tell when fuller is going to have a good week and you can slot him into his lineup and there is always that chance to get hurt but it doesn't really hurt you when he gets hurt because you didn't waste a high capital pick on him yeah i mean like when like you talk about predicting the fuller breakout games it's almost like whenever he's on the field right like, right whenever right, right, he's right. on the field 
he just he he's super productive. Yeah, there was so, one second. There was some stat that's like the Texans are eleven and four with Will Fuller on the field and seven and seven hit with him off. So yeah. like they they want Will Fuller. He he opens up the whole entire offense for them, and he's just a great player. Uh, continue what you were saying about Fuller. Sorry, I got you off. Yeah. So like whenever he's on the field, he's great. And let's say you're concerned about the injuries because that's definitely valid, and he's probably going to get hurt. Yeah. If you get six healthy games out of Will Fuller, and then he tears the ACL, fine. You're probably like, five and one. Just saying. You're probably five and one, maybe even six and zero. Yeah. Because he's just that good of a player, and you drop him, pick someone else up. You're not investing heavy draft capital. Most players in this range don't even pan out, anyways. So, like, I want all of Will Fuller where he's going in drafts. I also like Brandon Cooks. I think Cooks, uh, when when Fuller gets injured, uh, I hate to predict injuries, but it's going to happen. Yeah. When Fuller gets injured, Cooks is going to be the player number one. I'm not worried about Randall Cobb. And Cooks, he's a solid player, and he's going to have, like, you're going to slot him in as a flex wide receiver two and feel decent about it. So I think the, the Texans' passing offense as a whole is being kind of disrespected in drafts. Yeah. And, we can take advantage of that. I it just sucks. Like I really hope that Will Fuller doesn't have the mindset that we have, and he just like inevitably thinks he's gonna get hurt every year. That would just suck. Yeah. Like he's so talented, and for him to not be able to play any sixteen game seasons, it just like I don't know. I feel bad for him. Yeah, hope he plays. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. We'll be back Tuesday with the top twelve running backs. See ya.